Welcome, you're listening to Inner Dominatrix, the show that gets you stepping into your bold, sexy, fun-filled life. I'm your host and former dominatrix, Dana Ferrand. Today, we have an exciting episode. We're going to do something a little different than what I've been doing in the past. I have the wonderful Scott Doucette on with me today. And Scott is, uh, is a number of things I'm going to disclose. He's actually the editor for my shows, so he does all of that. He loves all things podcasts, and he has his own show called The Podcast Bay. So if you're into podcasting, you got to check that out. But today, Scott and I wanted to dive in to the topic of narcissists, which always blows up on my Facebook feed when we get into this. So I thought, this is great. He gave me this idea that, you know, let's look at it in depth. He can ask me some questions, the questions that probably are on your mind. So he gets to be the surrogate audience for you. And we're going to dive in and just really take a good in-depth look at the narcissist, and of course, getting you some tools today. So let me welcome Scott. Thank you so much for that amazing intro. And I must say, it's weird to hear you in this setting. (laughs) Usually we're a little more laid back off the charts and just unfiltered. So this is kind of cool. I like it. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) So so you have a great little story about about Christmas. Yes. Yes, I do. And uh, I knew you were the person to come to. Like, I was so excited to speak to you when I got back, but I decided to at least give you your your holidays without bugging you too much. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want me to dive right in? Or? Yeah, tell me, tell me what happened at, uh, at Christmas. What was your lovely encounter with the narcissist? Okay, well, I'm not going to name any names or incriminate anybody. It is just not my style. But I got the chance to experience the worst degree of narcissism I've ever encountered face to face in my life over the Christmas holiday. And the issue I have is that he's actually, he's closely related to me in a way. Like, <laughs> so I, that's not I, narrowing it down at all, Scott. No, no, it's, it's not. There's that, that could be quite a few people. I'm, I'm hoping that no one clues in. So what ended up happening is I got the chance to travel this Christmas and head to Toronto to spend time with a whole big new group of people. Everything was going well. You know, I was meeting new people, shaking hands, having a lot of fun. And this one person just enters the scene, okay? They enter, they enter the room. And I couldn't shake this really thick, gross feeling I was getting. Every time they spoke, every time they would introduce themselves to a new person, every time there was just something about this person that made me want to gouge my own ears out, you know? And I was like, what could it possibly be? Because I'd never experienced that. Like, you know how some people give you vibes or or weird Mm -hmm. energy. Mm -hmm. This guy's energy was so palpable, I could almost taste it. As the conversation got rolling, we were probably in the same room for about an hour. And I started just noticing little things. He always had an opinion to weigh in to every single conversation, whether it was, you know, regarding him or not he would monopolize conversation. So like, let's say I would be speaking, he would like cut across me. He was sitting to my right at one point and there was a woman I was speaking to on my left and he yelled across me, interrupted me and completely took over this conversation with this woman. And he was like telling people that it's great to be considered an expert and a consultant in your field. And when I asked him what he did, it was a very like menial task. Like it wasn't anything major. So I noticed he was like 
overblowing his accomplishments a little bit. <laughs> and just as time went on, like I started to clue in that this man is, is narcissistic. So I started just ticking off the boxes, you know, <laughs> like I started thinking back to, you know, my, my sensitivity stuff, like what is a textbook narcissist? What's a classic narcissist? Mm -hmm. And he fit everything but one. And the one thing that he did not fit was that he did not take advantage of other people to get what he wanted. Wow. But in every other way, shape and form, this man was a narcissist. It blew my mind because I had never, like I've experienced egotistical people yeah. and I've experienced people with narcissistic traits. I have them. Mm -hmm. So it, it was easy for me to pick them up. <laughs> <laughs> but I have never come in contact with a full-blown narcissist before. And it was very eye-opening for me. Yeah. And, you know, and just, you know, segue. So those of you who maybe have not read much about the narcissist and, and what the classic uh, signs are. So I, I want to, you know, preface this, that there is a scale. And as Scott, you know, as you said, Scott, that you have some of these traits, I have some of these traits, you know, we actually want to have a healthy amount of narcissism because that's what allows us to actually go out in the world and share our talents and share our gifts. Um, but, you know, we, if you're too far to the spectrum on either side, we're, you know, too far up the scale of narcissism and everything's about you, everything surrounds about you. Um, and the further up you go into the scale, then it becomes a matter of, you know, you can't do any wrong. You can never be wrong. Um, and you will do whatever you want. You go step on people because there's this really everything centered around you. And then the other end of the spectrum is um, what is termed the echoist. And the echoist is very, you know, self-deprivating and it's always deflected to the other person and they, you know, it's like they're shrinking back and into the shell. So, you know, we do want to have some healthy narcissism in our lives. And I think for a lot of us, you know, especially those of us who are in business, we can get into that, you know, moving up the spectrum every now and then, get a bit of a bloated ego. I know I have moved into that a few times in in my life and you know that have friends that pull me back and kind of like you know put it in check but you know those are kind of like the base overview and and maybe Scott share what other things you checked off your list when you were observing this fellow okay well first and foremost I want to put a big disclaimer out there this man is not a bad person mm -hmm. okay he's a, a good guy However, it's hard to see the good qualities in him because of one, he's extremely boastful. Mm -hmm. So if, if he did anything minor, it becomes something to brag about where, <laughs> where most of us would look at a person like that and say, so what? Right. That would hurt this man. You yeah. Know? And he would then become defensive because you called him out or questioned one of his major accomplishments. So that was one of the things I've noticed. He was very boastful mm -hmm. and almost on the defensive if you questioned the quality of what he was saying. Mm -hmm. He was always positioning himself as if he was smarter than anyone else in the room. Yeah. You know, th this cat is my age. He's, he's not, you know, he's, he's on the, the lower side of the, the half century. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, he was basically calling out people who were like twice and even some cases three times his age on their intelligence. Yeah. And to me, that's just, I don't even pretend to know everything about everything, but this guy seemed to, to think he had a handle 
on every avenue, whether it was veterinary, whether it was finances, whether it was um, medicinal stuff, whether it was working with your hands and DIY, like he had to position himself as an expert on just about everything. Yeah. And, and you know, I have a question for you. So, cause I find like a lot of the narcissists that I encounter and, you know, have had close dealings with initially, I find them very charismatic and there's something very interesting about somebody who can just stand there and own it and they're you know they're just not afraid to say yes this is what I've done I'm so great look at me and and they're really owning it and you're like wow that's awesome so does he come across charismatic to some people maybe and this is where I had an issue is myself I've been told many times that I am charismatic and I can own it I have a lot of charisma but mine comes from a place of I know what I know and I'll, I can walk into a room and speak what I know and, and come off very charismatic. Mm-hmm. But if you get me in an area where I don't know, I start to shrink and become very unassured. And the charisma is replaced by almost an uncertainty that stinks. It's almost like a smell. And the whole time this guy was talking, there were certain areas where I was like, yes, he knows exactly what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And there were other areas probably I'd say 75% of the time, I was like, I don't know if this guy knows what he's saying is true. Yeah. He's just saying it to sound smart, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's one of the interesting things, um, like you're already kind of leading into the, you know, how to, uh, how to sniff them out. But for a lot of people, that charisma distracts them from questioning whether or not something is true or not. Mm. And, you know, for so many narcissists, it's like everything in their world, you know, the, the really extreme ones, let's go, you know, a very extreme case, everything that comes out of their mouth is the truth. It is real. It is that moment, right? We have, we have some, you know, political people to draw on for examples of, you know, you can, you can show them a clip of like, this is what you said. And it's like, no, I didn't say that. And in their mind, that is like whatever is coming out of their mouth at that current moment is the truth. And there's just no telling them that they're wrong. And that's the, that's the big piece that I, that I always try to say to people is like, when you find somebody that can't be wrong, big red flags, like mm-hmm. big red flags. And so you want to be, you know, checking in on the energy, which we'll get to in it later on. But the first red flag I think is when somebody can never be wrong. And like you said, you know, when somebody has an opinion on every single topic that's going, like nobody is an expert in everything. No. So, you know, if you come across the people who seem to be experts in absolutely everything, there's gotta be some things that they're talking out of their ass on. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like for instance, myself, I know podcasting. I love to talk about it. I love to talk about hockey. I love to talk about relationships and and energy and that whole thing, traits and characteristics of people, but I know nothing about politics. So -hmm. if someone starts talking about politics, that is usually where you'll see me shrink, go quiet and listen like crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, I won't try to interject in those types of conversations because I know my place and it is not in that realm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's really like, I really like to offer that out to people of, to recognize. And I think if we start to realize that, okay, A, not everybody comes from where you're coming from. So you know, if you happen to be somebody who is quite balanced and you are aware of other people's energy, you're aware of where, where they're at and what they need, 
not everybody has that awareness. And to keep an eye open for the people who are not capable. I mean, we have, we have sociopathic behavior in which people have no ability to, you know, to connect empathically. And so if they don't connect empathically, then they have no issue stepping on you and taking advantage of you. And, and I think that actually comes around. I was thinking, you just said, you know, this fellow, he doesn't step on other people. Now I would challenge that in that you said he over talked you Mm-hmm. to interject, to get what he wanted, which was attention. And that's one of the big things with a narcissist is to keep an, an eye out. You know, when somebody really has a high need for attention, that's a good indication. It's like, ooh, another red flag, possibility. And of course, you know, little disclaimer, you and I cannot diagnose anybody. We are not in that training. I'm, I can't diagnose anyone. But it's flags to be aware, to be just keeping an eye out that not everybody has the capability of being a nice person. There are assholes in the world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I'm, I definitely will say that, yes, he will step on people. But I've noticed that this particular individual didn't use people, which is mm-hmm. can be a common thing for a classic narcissist. Definitely. One- one thing I did notice him do, though, yeah. is he had a superiority versus inferiority way of looking at things. If he didn't deem you as intelligent as him, you were automatically inferior. Yeah. And that's very typical. Like, in order to believe that you're right at everything, kind of puts you into that superiority complex. But it leads me to another little point that there is a flip side of narcissists. So there are, there's a segment of narcissists who are what I would call the victim narcissists. So they're always right, but they use this uh, standpoint of victim to get their feed and fix of attention. And, uh, and I know I've, I've interacted with some people in that, that realm as well, that, you know, it's like everything's a big crisis in their life. Oh my God, this person did this to me. And how can, did you, have you seen this? I can't believe they did that. And you know, everything, everything is just massive in their life. Woe is me. And they suck you into their drama. And even though they, they may say, oh, you know, I want out, I want out. They don't ever change things. It's a continual loop. So that's another piece for people to just be aware of there is that other type of narcissist and they're equally detrimental. They're equally, you know, sucking you into the black hole and there's nothing you can do for them. That's a good point. That's a good point. Cause a lot of people, they think that when they think narcissism, they think these people who think so highly of themselves, Mm -hmm. but there is this other group that is almost, it's not that they don't think highly of themselves, but they're almost entitled to a certain sort of treatment that they don't get anywhere. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's to realize that like of everything I've studied of narcissists, they're looking for attention. It seems to be two streams. You're either going to get it by standing up there and being the egomaniac, you know, to whatever degree. And it's look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Or it's the other side of like, oh, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. Come over here and and comfort me. And I'm just going to like suck you into my black hole and keep you here forever right? Like they, you'll, you'll meet people and, and those people at the party that, you know, they suck you in and they're like, I, I have somebody that I know from circles, from my husband's circle. And, and she just like, she will get within inches of your face and she holds you there. Like literally she will grab a hold of you and tell you all of her problems. Oh my God. <laughs> and you're like, 
how do I get away from this person, right? Like you're, you're suddenly locked in and that's what she is. She locks in for that attention. Um, you're like looking around for a crowbar at that point to pry yourself away. <laughs> Somebody save me. And everybody else is like, no, no, no. She's got her clutches on you. I'm leaving you there. <laughs> right? So. So, like, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Dana, because this was part of the the thing that I was noticing is that, like, when you are familiar with, like you said, energy, and you can connect empathically with people, and you're used to picking up traits and characteristics and qualities of people, you can sniff it out almost as obvious as day. You can't diagnose, but you can pretty much start connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. But to the person who is the actual narcissist, it's either they can't admit any of it or they don't even know it's there. Like it's almost like they just conduct their lives as normal and they don't even know they're being this way. Yeah. This comes back around to the idea that the underlying piece for a narcissist is that they cannot be wrong. And if you cannot be wrong, then you're never going to look for what's not working and you're never going to look for what am I doing wrong? Cause you can't be wrong. Right. And it's this interesting little loop that it always has to be somebody else's fault. Right. And that's part of that narcissist thing is that they blame everybody else for what goes wrong in their life because it can't be them. Right. They cannot be wrong. And, and this is the piece that, that I can't seem to always get through to people that, you know, when you grasp that a narcissist can never be wrong, you like really grasp it, then you start to let go of the need to show them that they're wrong. And I know for me, oh my goodness, I have, like, I've tried. I, I, my ex was, I would determine him to be a light narcissist. So he's not heavily on the spectrum, but when he got stressed, he would move further up in the spectrum. And, and I thought that if I just explain things better, he would get it and he would change. And it's now that I realize that it wouldn't matter how well I explained it, how much I showed it, how much I brought logic into it. He couldn't be wrong. And the minute that it sounded like he was wrong, he moved up the scale and then that elevated up into he couldn't be wrong and he couldn't hear me. And then he would play this game mentally. He would spin it around, talk me in circles until I questioned myself and thought, oh, I I must have that wrong. It was a continual dance. Every six months, we would go through this dance where it was like, okay, so I've worked it out with my therapist. Here's all the reasons why this doesn't work. I need to leave. And then we, he would proceed to talk me around in circles. And before I knew it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stay. <laughs> and then six months later, I'd be like, ah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> we did this dance for so many years. But now I realize that I was trying to get him to get where it he was wrong. And really all I needed to do was to just own the fact that this wasn't working for me. And that was enough. This wasn't working for me. I need to go. That's an important distinction to make too. It's like you said, you cannot prove someone with narcissistic tendencies, depending on which ones wrong, because they just, they can't be, they don't see an issue with Mm -mm. their situation because in their world, they are infallible and flawless. And to admit a flaw would be almost painful or it would honestly I think their world would implode (laughs) for many of them there it's not possible yeah and so that's what I was noticing with this one person and I can honestly say that similar to your situation I've been in in the past 
talked in circles the same way to believe mm-hmm. that I was incorrect about the mm-hmm. way I was feeling about mm-hmm. something. You can't be wrong about how you feel. No. You know? <laughs> and so it was amazing to me. And now I, I feel sorry for my current girlfriend because she even told me, like, I cannot argue with you because I literally make mental notes of every point. And if we revisit a point, I'm like, yeah, we've, we've already, we've cleared that. Let's, you know? <laughs> so we just don't argue anymore because there's almost no point. We just approach everything as civilly as we can. Nice. But my biggest thing that I was kind of, the reason why I wanted to reach out to you is one, I wanted to ask you in your opinion, what creates that kind of behavior in a person? Because where I've seen it is like, first of all, mostly in men. Mm -hmm. I know that women can be and are narcissistic, but Mm -hmm. mostly in men, I've seen it in situations where either someone was too coddling of them or never really told them, no, that's wrong. They were almost like, it's almost like they had the red carpet rolled out on their life Mm -hmm. and everything they did was, oh, you're so smart. You're so strong. You're so talented. And it creates almost this false sense of pride within the person of, of yeah. they're so proud of who they are yeah. that they can't, when, when someone finally tells them they're wrong in their late teens and early twenties, it becomes considered an attack yes. instead of feedback. Yes. So I will just reiterate, I am not an expert in this field, but I have done extensive research uh, of my own in order to understand it because I had so many that I was living with and dealing with. Um, but of all the research that I've done, they, they, they don't conclusively know, but they, they do say that for some people, there's a genetic component. So there is a possibility that, you know, there's a strong link between if your parent was a narcissist, there's a good chance you will be one as well. Hard to say whether that's genetics or modeling, um, you know, with all of these things, it's a lot of speculation. Sure. Uh, there's definitely a correlation between, you know, when people have gotten a lot of praise for doing things right that gets imprinted early and there's certain situations that will get set up you know if there's something very significant where they were praised very heavily about being good or being right or being smart or you know having those kinds of things for some people it locks in as this is the way that i need to get attention especially if they've grown up in a situation where they get all this praise for being smart and being right. And then they get, um, you know, crappy feedback for other things, you know, so perhaps they've been abused, but they get praised for being smart. That can set up a dynamic where this is what is very important. It's very valuable. We don't know the full extent of the human psyche and, and, you know, there are experts far smarter than me, but really I think from a practical standpoint, It doesn't necessarily matter why they are the way they are. I think what's really important for people to get to is how do you deal with these people? Because, Hmm. you know, they have clearly said you're, you're not going to change a narcissist. You know, if somebody's lower in the scale, there's a lot of things that you can work with as far as wording and language. Um, You can really work to make your statements around, I feel this, like don't, you know, re- avoid all of the, the things that would make it sound like they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and to really work at, at like, wow, I feel really hurt when you do that and turning it, you know, turning it that way. I wouldn't use that language with an average person, you know, with somebody who has a good sense of their self, 
then I would just say, Hey Scott, that's not really working for me. Is there another way we can approach this? Yeah. Um, but with a narcissist, especially one that slides up the scale a little bit, that can seem like I'm saying, Scott, you're an idiot. And so I would say, you know, Scott, wow, I, I really felt hurt when you did that. I start there. And then I, and then I can say, I would really love it if you could approach me this way because that would strengthen our relationship and make it easier for me to be around you and make it so that I feel more comfortable around you, right? And so in turning it that way, it gives them motivation. And honestly, the higher up the scale you go, I've noticed that some people, you can approach them any way you want to and you can say, listen, I'm hurt when you do that. And they, some people will just look at you with a smug look and go, good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What do you do with them? <laughs> Nothing. You, you eliminate them from your life. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. Good if, they're, if they're high up in the scale, um, the only thing you can do is to have as little amount of contact as possible. Really work on your internal game so that you don't need to tell them. Yeah, really. So. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I, I, did, um, uh, I, d I did a webinar for helping people to, to get over their, their reactions to um, Mr. T in the States. And, uh, and, and looking at that and saying, you know, I, I realized for myself at first, I was like, people need to see that, that this is who this is. And, and I, I needed to prove it. I needed to shout it out. And then I realized, you know what, that's causing me extreme strife. And so I just educated people a little more broadly about this is what a narcissist is. And these are things that you can do to keep yourself sane. So we did a whole webinar and getting people to unlock and unravel from the the angst and the energy around it right so mm -hmm. that was interesting yeah and like during my my adventures abroad <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the people that I was with was actually wondering about this guy's behavior so I had to sit down and literally talk this person through what I knew about those characteristics and those traits and what makes up a narcissist etc etc but as I was doing this education of another person I found it to be very revealing of my own personality and so I started make drawing parallels into the narcissistic qualities that I have mm -hmm. and how they may have differed, but still were on the spectrum. And that led me to kind of question a lot of not necessarily who I am as a person, like my makeup, but just how I deal with certain situations. And one of the things that came up in my mind was business. And the more I started thinking about it, the more I was wondering, like, it takes certain skills, traits, characteristics, qualities to make it in business. Mm -hmm. And some of those are actually narcissistic qualities. Absolutely. And so I got to wondering, and I asked you this, you know, earlier on in the week, and I was hoping we could shed some light on it. Do you think that business draws out narcissism in people? Or do you think business instills narcissism in people? I would tend to think that, you know, if you're, if you are currently sliding up the spectrum as far as where you would, you know, be placed in that narcissistic scale. So if five was neutral and six was slightly narcissistic or, you know, more like egocentric, if you're, you know, sliding up the six, seven, then it is possible for business to nudge you up a little bit further especially if you start taking on the idea of like, you need to be the expert, you need to be the leader, you need to, you know, show up and own the stage. And you look at those kinds of things and, and you, you take it from that narcissistic perspective and say, Oh, I'm going to tell you 
what you need. It is easy to slide into that. And, and I know for myself, I have done that. I've moved into this space of like, I'm, I'm amazing. Why aren't people coming in? Like, you know, I'm really freaking amazing. People should be lined up at my door. Excuse me. No, you should pay me. And I shouldn't need to even tell you why you should pay me. You should just pay me. Right. Like <laughs> I, I did have those things going through in my brain and, and that's where it's important to work with. I think, I think it's important to work with a coach that can kind of keep that in check as opposed to ramping it up because all you're going to attract, if you're ramping up those narcissistic characteristics, you're going to attract the people who are sheep, who are in the victim mode, and who are looking for a guru to take advantage of them. Not necessarily your great long-term strategy. You might attract some short-term money, but you're probably going to attract a lot of long-term hassles. And I've seen this with, you know, you have these people who do these big mega launches and they're like, you know, they're just so great. And they're, you're out there and they're like, you know, pumping their chest and, you know, selling from the stage and rah, 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 right. All that stuff. And they suck people in, but then, you know, a week later they're having to deal with refunds and people who aren't happy and people who are just like, this is not what I wanted and I'm not getting my money's worth. And so there, there's a cost to do that. So it can, and you know, there's definitely um, what it, what would it be? There's definitely a potential pitfall, mm. right? But I don't think that's the case for everybody. Because at first, honestly, I thought it was a chicken and egg thing, you know, like mm. which would come first. But then I'm glad you mentioned coaching, because there are certain things that I I do have narcissistic traits about, and I would love to to share them just outwardly. Mm-hmm. One, if I have the quote unquote right way to do something. Like if I see someone eating a bag of chips and complaining about their weight, (laughs) I am the first person to go like, well, what are you doing? Eat clean. Look, you know, and like, just be like, my way is the right way. Your way is the wrong way. Do my thing. Or if people are like, Oh, I want to attract a bigger audience, but I don't promote. I'll get in there and just not hesitate to verbally smack them around a bit, not in a bad way, but you know, it's just that, I know something you don't and you are ignoring something obvious. Let me help you. I do get a little bit on the strong side when it comes to that type of situation. Yeah. And if I can, you know, nudge you at all on that, because having been there for me, that was a whole big piece about needing to be right. Yeah. And when I really dug in and said, okay, well, what if I didn't need to be right? What if I could let go of the need to be right? And then underneath that, really, you know, your opinion of these people, um, I'm going to totally call you on it. It's a judgment. Yes, absolutely. judging these people. And who are you to have a judgment on these people? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you like 110 fold. Would you be willing to give up your need to be right? Oh God, yes. (laughs) No problem there, you know. But my my issue is that like I knew certain things about my own personality. Like I have a hard time being told that I did something incorrectly. Like if I'm in the kitchen and I screw up a meal, Mm -hmm. for there's there's a good thirty second window. It doesn't last long, Mm -hmm. but there's a thirty second window where I feel horrible, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's just like I shouldn't have to, and I shouldn't feel that way. But it comes almost in my nature to not want to screw things up. And Mm -hmm. I've been like that since I was a kid. 
And so that was one thing I noticed. But once I started getting into business, there was almost this whole group of guys and girls who, let's say they're email marketers. And you ask them, you know, should I email my list daily? And they're like, yes, you should. No excuses. If anybody doesn't like it, F them. And I was like, okay, whoa, um, sure. <laughs> and I, I just, I noticed that more and more, there was this whole, if people don't like it, F them answer all the time. Yes. And I remember one particular post I made and it sticks out in my mind because it was a post that I made when I was under direct mentorship with someone mm -hmm. and it was a bullying post and you of all people called me out on it. <laughs> surprising that I would do that wow okay. wow huh <laughs> but you called me out on it and you were like why are you bullying people into working with you why can't you just invite them and the people who come come and the people who don't don't and we kind of got into a discussion about it and oh, so yeah. I went back and I revised my post yes. and changed it and it did get a lot more positive imprint after I changed it and so I noticed that after breaking away from certain coaches, I was doing things more my own way. Mm -hmm. And I realized that like a lot of the things these people were telling me, you have to be this in business, you have to be that in business, were just echoes of their own traits and qualities that they might've succeeded with. Mm -hmm. But to me, it just, it just came off as narcissism in a, lot, in a lot of ways and it didn't work for me at all. Yeah. I mean, that can lead us down a whole nother topic where, you know, because I, I do talk a lot about gurus and snake oil coaches, because there's a lot of people that, you know, they'll take a look at, well, this worked for me. So therefore, it will work for everyone. And that's not true. Everybody has a different personality. And, you know, you need to let your personality shine. You know, if, if daily emails is not your thing, if you're not juiced about it, and you don't think it's great. Don't do it because your, your audience is going to pick that up and they're going to go, yuck. Mm -hmm. But if you're excited about daily emails because you have so much to share and you want to, you know, make sure you're getting something to them every day, then do it. And yeah, you're going to have people pissed off either way, <laughs> whether it is daily or not daily, right? You're going to step on toes. I think there is a piece of, you know, well, if they don't like it, fuck them. There's a bit of value to that, but I think that can be, approach with a slightly different energy in that, you know, if they don't like it, it's okay if they go somewhere else. Oh, is this an R-rated show? It will need to be. <laughs> I was going to say, am I allowed to swear? Because I was being all politically correct and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know, here we are, both holding back. <laughs> no, but you're, you're absolutely right in that. And I found that the more I was feeding into certain qualities that just weren't mine, the grosser I felt. And the yeah. more I felt like I was either taking advantage of people or steering people incorrectly or being a fake or a fraud. And those types of feelings really weighed heavily on me. And when I took a step back and went, no, it's not a fuck them situation. No. These are my audience. These are my people. I care about them immensely. I don't just care about my own gains. I want to give them one, what feels good for me, but what feels good for them as well and find that happy medium. Yeah. The more I started meeting people where they were at instead of where I thought they should be, mm -hmm. the better results I got. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's letting go of judgments, which is a, you know, a big theme of what I do, but also in that is coming back around to this being 
of service, right? And and I've talked about this, you know, and I'm just going to weave in a little piece of the dominatrix here, right? Because yeah. for so many people, they think that being a dominatrix is being in control. And I think this is a, a very great lesson for business, right? These guys are out there and they're like beating their chest. And they're like, Rrr, and they're trying to be the stereotypical dominatrix. But a, a dominatrix is actually totally in service to her client all the time. The role of control is an agreed upon role, right? When you're negotiating, you don't come at the person with that. I'm going to tell you what to do. You know, like I'm going to decide what kind of kink you want, Scott. It's not about what you, you know, decide. It's about what I decide. That doesn't work. You have to negotiate on an equal level playing field and then when you get into the scene, then it's the agreed upon handing over of control, which is all illusionary because <laughs> you know, the sub has ultimately total control. Like they get to call stop at any time. So it's just this pretend of handing over control. And I think if we approach our businesses and our clients that way, where we remain in that space of, I am in service to my clients. I am not you know, subservient to my clients, but I'm always thinking of what is in their best interest. I love the fact that you worked in the dominatrix side of things. Cause one that excites me a lot as you and I both know, I'll just tell your, your audience right now. So all of you people, I actually had one of my former coaches call me kinky in front of, in a, in a room full of like 2,300 people basically. So <laughs> there is that. And Dana has told me she wants to string me up in a dungeon and paddle me in sell tickets so. <laughs> as i noticed that when you came to toronto you uh, strategically didn't tell me yeah yeah there's, there's a reason for that <laughs> mm, just a little afraid I'll, I'll, I'll just pretend i didn't want to drive two hours like 45 minutes up the road <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it, it's absolutely true that like you have to and and i feel like that is where again coming back to the narcissist thing mm -hmm. I feel like that's where people who have are higher up on the scale of narcissism go and I hate to use the word wrong in this sentence but where they go wrong mm -hmm. is that because they cannot be wrong they cannot relinquish control mm -hmm. and because they cannot relinquish control a lot of the times they are bulldozing people when they could be working with people yeah and it's horrible to be around and again they're not terrible people no a lot of their qualities can be amazing qualities for sure but because of this extreme narcissism it's hard to see the good in them and that sucks <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yeah and you know i've often thought it would be so cool if we could harness the good stuff about a narcissist and harness the good stuff about a sociopath because there is some really cool pieces about both of those that are so amazing to have as a business owner. You know, as a business owner, you're going to have people saying things about you. You're going to have, you know, your haters and, and whatnot. And a narcissist just like completely ignores it. It's like yep. non-existent, right? <laughs> and, and, and for most business people, they can't get to the place where that, that it's that definite of like, say whatever you want, bring it on. Yeah. Right? Um, even for myself, I'm a pretty high level of being able to be lots of space around people and people can have whatever opinion they want of me, but I'm not impervious. I, you know, it's, I still have some things that it's like, Oh, 
okay, that hit me. All right, work the tools, expand out again. And same thing with a sociopath, to have less hesitancy to take chances and take risks, right? But to still, to still be able to balance it out with, you know, thinking of other people. It, it may not work, but I think there are some good things and, and to realize that, you know, these are good people. They just happen to have some handicaps. And that's the way I look at it. A narcissist has a huge handicap. Yeah, they definitely do. It's, it's just, it's this inability to put themselves where they actually belong on, on a scale, I guess, which is to me hilariously ironic. Yeah. And I was told that the best way to treat narcissism is through talk therapy. And the person who told me that, I immediately looked at them and went, how do you do that? You know, how like do you saying that the narcissist should go to talk therapy? Yeah, yeah, that a narcissist should right. be should talk out. But there's but, nothing wrong with them; they won't ever go to therapy. Right? <laughs> like, how do you get them in the room get them in the first place? Yeah. And once they're there, and they they finally agree to go to talk therapy because maybe their relationship is important to them, or maybe you know whatever. Yeah. How do you go about saying you, sir, have a problem, or you, ma'am, have a problem <laughs> to someone who can never admit they are wrong? Right. You know, and so I thought that was amazing. It was brilliant. It it made for a really neat Christmas vacation. <laughs> but I, I wanted to come back and talk to you about it immediately because I saw you post things about narcissism in the past. And I knew you had a solid grasp on what it is and, you know, the traits and characteristics, but also for people like myself and, and like other people who either A, have these situations and have these scenarios occur and realize that they are somewhat narcissistic. How do we cope with that? You know, because let's face it, narcissism is seen very negatively. And I remember when I realized that I had narcissistic qualities, I straight up and asked my mother, am I a narcissist? And she told me, because you asked yourself that question, probably not. Right. <laughs> and then there are, you know, so for people who are dealing with their own narcissistic traits or people who are dealing with other people who are narcissists, what are some stuff we can do to just kind of lighten the load for ourselves? Great question. I think if you, if you're identifying it for yourself, then, you know, to be constantly turning it around to how do I be more in service? How do I think about the other person? And, and then the other piece is to be really diligent about working through your judgments. So working at clearing them out. And that might be something that, that's going to take like a deeper layer, a deeper look at, you know, really flushing out all of those judgments. And I can say for myself, you know, that is not something that I was able to do alone. I had to work with somebody else because I needed somebody who would um, call me on the pieces that I wasn't willing to look at, Right. Because if it was what we were willing to look at, we'd probably just shift it and change it. Absolutely. And so it's, it's clearing all of those judgments, clearing the need to be right, clearing the need to, for there to be any kind of right or wrong, right? Judging other people as right or wrong or good or bad. And, and you know, I know a lot of people go there with the, the, the labeling of a narcissist and saying it's wrong, it's bad. And, and that's why I like to shift it over to it's a handicap. It may not be anything they can do anything about. And, you know, maybe you just avoid them. That's what I'd suggest on a personal level is to, to get clear, to get clear for you, you know, for your judgments of your need to be right. That's probably going to make it the biggest impact. 
And then when you're dealing with other people, again, you know, if you clear the need to be right, there isn't the, 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 that strong impulse to show these people where they're wrong because you don't need to be right about them being wrong. You can just let them be right. It definitely does. And I'd like to actually bleed that into a scenario and maybe, maybe you can kind of tell me where I went wrong here. Just like, we'll do some live coaching, shall we? Uh, this, is, this, is how, this is how I'm going to weasel you out of some coaching. <laughs> so while I was in the room with this gentleman, right? Everything he would bring up, I would try to relate to. Okay. The issue is that, like, I'm not going to be shy about it. Although my accomplishments have not been vast, I have had some accomplishments, yeah. you know, especially in the last year. Mm-hmm. And so when he would say things like, it's great to be an expert or a consultant at something, I actually at one point said, man, I hear you. It is so awesome. You know, I've got clients who are getting in touch with me on a regular basis and just nothing beats it, especially the money tag to it. I didn't realize that he was in a place not quite where I was. And he took that as me trying to completely overshadow what he was saying. And the conversation turned very tense, very quickly what I did in that moment was I turned it to, do you have problem clients though? Do you have people who like, just don't take what you're saying and and run with it. And he was able to come back up and and relate again. But I noticed that any time that I put myself unintentionally in a position that could have been better than him, Mm -hmm. I was basically inviting a full on attack. For sure. (laughs) You You would. Again, it comes around to, you know, those extreme narcissists the ones that are more up in the eight, nine on the spectrum, those are the ones that you just, you know, when they say something, just agree with them, let them be right. Say as little as possible. And then, you know, move on and talk to somebody else. That's crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah, I know It, it, it goes against, it goes against what you would do for the average person who is willing to look at themselves. Um, these are, these are not the average people. They're very handicapped. It, uh, yeah, you're right. It does go against because like everything we're taught and told is like, you got to, you know, relate to yourself, let people know how you feel that if someone is walking in the wrong direction, just check them back a little bit, you know, be gentle, but gently check them back into their lane. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. these guys basically don't have a lane. These guys and gals are all over the road. <laughs> and, and that's where you just back off the gas, let them go get the ticket. Beauty. Right. Beauty. It's, I love it's it. Just, yeah, it's just to relax with it. And that's that, you know, when you don't need to be right, when you don't need to connect with everybody, right? when, when you're not trying to prove anything. And, and I know you're not necessarily trying to prove everything you're trying to, but you're trying to connect. And that is a piece of like, you're still attached to the outcome. Yep. Right. If, so, if you don't have the tools to step into that arena, do not step into that arena, basically, right. because you will get steamrolled, blown apart, and they'll never put you back together. Yeah, the best thing you can do if you, if you don't know how to interact is to just agree with them. Know in your mind that you're being an actor on the stage and you're shaking your head as like, yep, yep. And in your mind, you're like, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> but don't, that's your inside voice. Don't say it out loud. Okay, because... Yeah. It's just, it's like, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? I love that expression. This is absolutely one of those times that do you want to be right or do you want to be happy fits to a T, you know, because you can't be happy and be right with a narcissist. 
Oh, that's that's golden. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna get that tattooed to my ass. Yeah. <laughs> well, you might want it on your forearm so you can read it. <laughs> I look at my ass in the mirror enough. Like I said, I have some narcissistic okay. qualities. Okay. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> Obviously, playing. But what's what's the show without some play, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know, it's like if you if you need tools. Um, I have a great program. It's a great intro piece. It's called the powerful you. We're going to get that up onto the, um, the shopping cart. That'll be there available. It's a $39 product. It gives you the basic tools for being able to clear anything and, you know, just make a list of the stuff that's bugging you, you know, where you need to be right. And then when you get to that level where you're butting up against stuff and you can't go further, then reach out to someone like myself to, to just be able to blast through it and get you to a whole new level. And, uh, and being able to be around narcissists with ease it is possible. And I'm going to have to sing your praise a little bit. I got in touch with you last year, not about narcissism, actually, full disclosure. It was about cash flow problems and um, being in debt and stuff. And I felt worlds better after getting off the phone. Like I was pumped and I could actually go to sleep at night. <laughs> so I got to say like hats off to you. You're good at what you do. And I love the fact that you were open to getting me on the show to talk about this one. This is definitely an interesting thing that I've never run into face to face before. Yeah, it was such a great topic. And, and so many people, I mean, there, I think I read at one point, uh, an estimated 10% of the population is in the extreme narcissist category. Oh my. Yeah. So there's a really good chance you're going to run into these people. You know, I had, I had one person, she posted on my, my thing when I had said something about narcissists and she's like, well, you're drawing it to you. The whole law of attraction stuff, which hmm. is like, okay, don't get me started on that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I just, it's like, you know what? You live in this planet. 10% of the population has them. I really don't think you're attracting it to it. I think you're just, you know, that you're going to run into them at some point or another. I don't have to live with them anymore, you know, but um, there's a good chance if you work in a space where there's more than 10 people, there's going to be somebody. Well, I'm definitely glad, one, that it took me over a quarter century to run into my first classic extreme narcissist, but two, that we've had this talk because the next time I'm in the room with this gentleman, because it is inevitable, <laughs> I'm going to actually survive the conversation and be able to, I guess, just hold the scenario together better because the well, last you, thing you want is an explosion on your hands, you know? Yeah. And you might have a bit more compassion for him and understand that, you know, what he most desperately wants is attention. And if you can give him a bit of that and he feels better, like, isn't that a kindness? Yeah. In its own way. Definitely. Right. And, you know, so then maybe he's going to feel better and it might bring him down the spectrum a little bit and be a little more tolerable. It won't change him, but it can make your day better. For sure. And in, in some of these cases, and I'm not saying all the time, but in some of these cases, if you're a close enough friend to these people, they will actually take what you're saying more seriously than if you're not. So, yes. you know, I wouldn't test the waters so freely. But, you know, don't go after the big problems. But, you know, just if you're close to someone like this and you notice they respect what you say and they respect where you're coming from. Yeah. Because there is that if they feel you're on an even plane with them, if they feel you're equally superior, qualified, whatever as they are, they will take what you're saying a little more seriously. And that puts you in a position to actually 
Now, I don't want to say help this person, but bring some things to this person's attention. Yeah. And it, you know, it might be able to shift them down the spectrum a little bit that they're, you know, able to interact with more people. And but I would definitely it. avoid approaching it with the mentality of fixing a person. Right. <laughs> well, in general, in general, we don't want to be fixing anybody because that is, if you look at that, if somebody needs to be fixed, do you need to judge them as needing to be fixed? Right. So by judging them as needing to be fixed, you put yourself into the role of being a superior bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And I am not a superior bitch. (laughs) I have been on occasions. (laughs) (laughs) I try not to go there anymore, but I have definitely been there. (laughs) I love it. That's my husband. He can tell you all about that. (laughs) I love it. Well, yeah, we should wrap this up. I know we could talk for, you know, a couple more hours. I'm so glad that you chose this topic for us to dive in and poke around at because this is going to be great for everybody listening. Yeah, and at the very least, I hope people who do have questions come forward and ask because I would rather have my questions answered than continue to wonder why this person and I don't get along all the time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If it can save a relationship, I am game to have my questions answered. Yay. So let's do uh, let's do a little shout out for your podcast. So name your podcast. Where where can people find you if they want some help with their podcast? Absolutely. Um, um, The name of my show is Podcast Bay. It is much more laid back and R rated than this one. I will just (laughs) put that out there. Uh, I'd love to get you on the show, Dana, to talk about your experience podcasting when you've got, you know, a few episodes under your belt and you, you, you've gotten your first troublesome guests and you've got to get your feet wet. I'd love to get you on because we talk about the trash, the treasures and the tricks in the industry. So it's, it's a little different kind of a show in that respect. It's not just all tech talk. And if people want to find me, the best place, if they want to find me personally is just my Facebook profile, you know, Scott Doucette. But if they want podcast-related stuff, you can find me at facebook.com slash Podcast, or you can find me in the PDC, which is a Facebook group called the Podcast Discovery Center. And that's where I do my most mad scientist-y stuff. Awesome. <laughs> Great stuff. Thank you so much for coming on board, Scott. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for accepting my self-invitation. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Inner Dominatrix. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tell your friends. And for more, join the Facebook group, Access Your Inner Dominatrix. Till next time, have fun.